0: Hey, Northridge, welcome to A Little Better, where our goal is to know God better and to do better so that we can be a little better. Hey, everyone, welcome back to A Little Better. Thank you for listening and for watching. We're always excited to have an opportunity to take 20 to 30 minutes of your week and fill it with sometimes helpful content (laughs) and other times Random updates on what has happened in football the past week. So uh, either way, we're glad that you're with us. Thank you for engaging. We always appreciate texts and calls. And um, I just got a, I got a text this week from, or last week from a friend, Liam, who doesn't even live here anymore. doesn't live anywhere nearby. Took a long road trip, caught up on a bunch of, uh, a bunch of podcasts and, and was given some love. So we always appreciate hearing from you guys. We made the cut. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. We only make the cut if somebody drives like six or six or more hours. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, but um, yeah, thank you for Liam for listening and to uh, all of you guys. We just really appreciate it. Um, and all of your engagement, whether it's on uh, social media or your podcast app, always helps us uh, continue to get out to especially those in our church who are listening. Thank you for sharing. But, Drew. We're jumping back in with uh, Silver Linings. We had Melvin last week, which was such a privilege. Actually, you know what, before I go any further, anything you want to say about the experience of having someone not on our staff teach on Sunday morning? That's a little That's a little different. In fact, I think I can say it's the first time it's happened since you've been here, right? Maybe even only the second time since I've been at Northrop, so. Yeah, I, I, I haven't even thought about that, but yeah, I, I mean, it's an exciting experience.
1: It's also, we are so systematic at our church. We have like systems upon systems where, uh, you know, we, we have everything planned out. And so it's easy to just ask somebody on your team to just jump into that system. They know it. And so, you know, going outside that box was stretching and fun and exciting and all the things. But I think it was also very beneficial for people to hear it from somebody that, you know, I can't necessarily influence. Like you got a fresh perspective outside of our ministry. And I thought Melvin crushed it. I thought his voice was strong. I, I think our church really enjoyed him. And Mm -hmm. I think he stretched us and he kind of built a little bit of a culture of, of, you know, talking to me while I'm I'm preaching, which I'm, you know, I love. And so I'm like, yes, let's build off that. And so (laughs) shout out to the 11 o'clock service last uh, last uh, yesterday, I guess. Last yesterday, La- yeah. Last yeah. yesterday, that makes it yesterday. Um, man, they were they were ready and talkative, and I
0: loved it. That's funny. Yeah. The Rochester campus has the, uh, the added benefit of being able to, when you yell at Drew, he actually hears you. Uh, I encourage for our Webster and online listeners. I encourage you to shout at him. That's perfectly appropriate. It might have less of an impact. Uh, We'll have to see, but um, no, that was, I go back and I'll read, I'll read some of the chat
1: happening on, you know, Facebook live, or I'll just go, I'll go see how people are engaged. So like, Hey, you never know what my eyes are going to see. So come on amens hallelujahs let's go preach it drew fire
0: i'm i'm those are all good things (laughs) those are all accepted accepted forms of of affirmation i love that you go back and watch facebook live that is hilarious to me oh i love it that's Uh, my those are my people you know i feel like i totally get it it. i totally get it it is funny that like when you watch back of an event that was live broadcast it does like keep the comments um in real time. Like they, yeah. they, it, they, they come up, you know, at the appropriate time or whatever. Um, but actually this was a big weekend for the online campus and we're going to get to the bills. Everybody don't know it. Don't worry. We're going to talk football. Um, but um, yeah, big weekend for the online campus. Cause it was their first time having Mark Nelson do the talking points from the studio for them. So that was kind of a cool thing. And for the first time, for me, what was unusual about that is even, you know, before Henrietta ever launched doing talking points for me, ever since I've been here, the Greece campus had had been around for a year when I got here. So anytime you did talking points, you always had to be aware that there could be, you know, online people watching or, you know, portables or whatever. So this is the first time that I've been on the Rochester campus stage talking to just the people at the Rochester campus. It was very, honestly, it was like disorienting because I'm like, instead of looking directly at the camera the whole time, I was like looking around the room. It was very strange for me. That's not how I normally roll. So it's kind of a cool thing. Hey, it is a cool thing. And I, I watched Mark's comments. I thought he did a great
1: job. That That crisp white background with his Bill's shirt on. Uh, he just he just popped, and I'm sure for you know the online audience and the Rochester audience, it was nice to be able to like, hey, they are speaking. That's that's my pastor, that's my shepherd for this campus, mm. and it's nice to know they're focused on you know that that group of people. It'll give you. Totally. I think it will give you freedom over time soon. You you won't even know how to look at the camera. You'll be like <laughs> on the side, and <laughs> that's, that's, right. that's what they tell me. They're like Drew. Okay, come back to the camera because I'm you know me. I'm like I'm an audience. Like I have feet off the audience, so. That's funny.
0: Yeah, I do my best to like, uh, hey, if somebody's talking, I'm like, okay, uh, would you mind being a quiet? I'm talking right now. Um, can, you're distracting me. <laughs> I'm like yelling at people. I'm going to break your culture once I speak the next time.
1: At the 945 <laughs> service, some girl said something and I don't think she meant to. She was sitting right up front. She's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, yeah, don't you don't never be sorry for talking
0: to me Come on, I'll keep it coming. And she was like, oh, okay. I was like, this is awesome. Uh, that's funny. Uh, anyway, so yeah, we're excited about the online campus. And then what we're, we're not excited about is the events that took place on Sunday night, beginning, I was going to say at 6 40 PM, but most of what happened between six 40 and seven o'clock was, was pretty exciting. (laughs) They were up nine to nothing in no time flat, but it didn't go well from there. So much sadness being, being given to Bill's nation right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, Hey, it was an awesome year for Bill's fan. And the great news is they got a great core. They got an awesome quarterback. They got a number one receiver, a decent defense, they'll build off of it. The chiefs are amazing. Like Mm. you you can't like walk away and be like, man, we, you lost to an amazing team with an awesome quarterback. If anything, we're going to be mad about it's Tom Brady's in another super bowl. Like, (laughs) like, and I was proud. Can I give a shout out to all the Buffalo bills fans? I went online to see your posts. Yeah. I watch over you. I'm a shepherd, you know, I'm gonna make sure you, you acting good on social media. So I'm watching.
0: Oh, well, okay. you can see that's not that's not at all terrifying but
1: <laughs> and they were they were awesome like it's a great year man proud of my bills bill bill's mafia will be back so yeah it was a great year i'm sad i i you know hey i'll take the blame i wore the jersey you know maybe i jinxed them whatever i'm sorry
0: i won't wear a jersey could be, could be. we'll hold you to that we'll do that but no yeah it was uh it was an interesting game where i felt like Josh Allen just didn't look like himself. I mean, I I haven't followed the Chiefs closely enough to know if they have, like, you know, an amazing defense. I heard their red zone defense was supposed to be terrible, and the Bills have been amazing in the red zone, and they just really struggled. Josh Allen didn't look like himself, and Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill are ridiculous. So, at one point, that next-gen stats thing of Tyreek Hill running 21 miles an hour was just like, you have to be joking. That's not human.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think... Other receivers other than Hill are, are yeah, um, uh, and and uh, Kelsey had, like, 36 yards. So, like, guys, I don't know who's game doing? planning for the <laughs> Chiefs, but, like, Hello.
0: If you stop those two guys, you're going to you're going to be doing well. No. Seems like didn't. That, yeah. Didn't. Anyway, but regardless, sad, sad day. But you're right. I, I rather than celebrating, you know, getting into the playoffs, I think from now on the, the Bills Nation for quite a few years is going to be, you know, their disappointments will come in the form of losing championship games. Not not. Not making the playoffs, I think it's gonna be a while before they don't make the playoffs again, so uh, anyway, well, I just said that and now i probably just jinx them again. Knock on wood. I take it all back. sorry, everybody. I'm doing my best here. but I want to jump in in one particular part of your message uh, toward the end, you were talking um to uh, what's the word I'm looking for application questions that you asked or statements whatever were are you part of the church and are you acting like the church? Those are great questions. I'm sure we'll get into quite a bit about what that means and stuff, but I wanted to talk about the tension of the question, are you part of the church? Because one thing you said was, we're not trying to alienate you, we're trying to invite you to, you know, to come be part of this. But you were also extremely clear, like even in reading First Peter 2, that um, That the only way that you are part of the church is if you have crossed from darkness into light or from, you know, death to life and declaring very clearly like there is a line somewhere Mm -hmm. about like this is the real church and this is people maybe who go to church or give or serve or you listed a whole bunch of things that people might associate with being church people. (laughs) But it's really not about anything other than your faith in Christ. So how do we as a church manage the reality that we do believe that there's a line like there's an actual line that delineates between people who know Jesus and people who don't, while also recognizing that Jesus hung out with tax collectors and sinners. And also our church ought to be a place where people who have, you know, at this point, no interest in God, but are willing to come check out a thing or, you know, click on a link. How do we manage that? We know that they're in the room, but also they're definitely not part of the church, at least in the technical sense. How do, what do we do about that?
1: Well, I think clarity is actually a, a very refreshing thing. Like even when you tell people, "Hey, you're not a part of this yet," I think that clarity, at, at, at some level, makes people want it. When you're told, "Like, hey, you're you're not this, but you can be that," it's like, "Oh, wait, th- I gotta do this to to be a part of the church." It's like it, it at some level, it is this like drawing people in now for some people like, okay, here we go. Another Christian who is not accepting of me. And that's Mm -hmm. not it at all. But I think clarity is really important piece of the puzzle of understanding what the church is and who it's made up of and saying, Mm -hmm. Hey, if you're not there yet, that that's okay. We're not going to force you into getting the tattoo or like, you know, like it's just, Hey, this is, this is not our idea. We didn't make the rules up. This is, this is Scott. And so we're going to preach the truth, whether it's popular or not. Hey, I think about the gospel. Like The gospel is can be the most offensive message there is, but that truth lets you know where you stand and lets you know how to get to where you want to go or stay where you want to be. And I think we, as a church, we have to be very careful managing that tension, not making people feel alienated. But saying like, hey, this clarity is actually supposed to draw you in because our desire, our hope for you is that you would be a part of this. Not we're glad that you're on the outside because that's where you deserve to be. We all deserve to be on the outside. It's only God that brought us in on the inside. And so we have to recognize that, understand the grace he's given us and hope and pray and be inviting to as many people as we can to receive that grace to bring us
0: to become a part of his church. Yeah, those are all really great thoughts, and uh, you're there is a sense of intrigue that comes from being told you're on the outside, but you don't have to be. You know, that's that is definitely like, a, oh wait, interesting. Like, tell me more. Um, But I, I think too, like, there's a difference between you're not part of our church versus you're not part of the church. Like, yeah. one of those is a theological statement, one of those is a relational statement. You know, like you're part of our church, meaning. Man, if, we, when you walk in and we say welcome home or, you know, you're part of the family, like we are meaning those in the sense that um, we care about everyone. We want to affirm everyone where they are, like accept them for who they are in the stage of life they're in with whatever baggage they bring. Like you can be part of this family in the big picture sense, but not in the theological sense. Like what you were describing is like the delineating line of darkness and light being part of the church is a theological statement, not a, not a relational one. And I think that that's super important for people to understand, which obviously on Sunday morning, what do you have time to really explain? But the theological reality of course, is that there are people who are in Christ and there are people who are not, there are people who have been made alive and there are people who have not. But if we spend our time constantly saying, Hey, you know, let's check your ID at the door. Are you in Christ? Uh, yes or no. Okay. Now come on in. If you are, you know, no, we stay out there. If you're not like, we're not doing, we're not even close to that. We're we're doing our absolute best to throw the doors as wide open as possible, trying to recognize that, like, we don't know where anyone's coming from. There are probably plenty of people. In fact, I think you could say with some degree of certainty that there are people who have been coming to our church or coming to any, going to church, being part of some local assembly for their whole lives and aren't actually part of the church in a theological sense. And there's some people who maybe they just came for the first time and they've placed their faith in Christ and they're they're more part of the family of God than people who have been going their whole lives who have never truly, you know, given themselves over to God. So it's not about how you look or how you're recently behaving or something like that. It's truly a theological belief and once that is secure, then you can work on all the rest of it. So Just the idea that you're part of, we want to say welcome home. And we mean that, like you can be part of this family, but when you're asking us at the end of the day, who's going to get the inheritance, meaning the inheritance of that is stored up in heaven for us. But, you know, as described in first Peter, like that is only for those who are in Christ. And so we want you to be part of it desperately. And I I view the terms like,
1: so I, I view people as a part of the church and then people engaged with the church. So what's, what's interesting is like a part of the church has to be that light and darkness, that salvation, like that. That's ultimately what makes you a part theologically of God's church, his family. It's crossing the line of faith, but there are a lot of people actually who are a part of the church and aren't engaged, engaged with the church, right? Mm-hmm. Like they've crossed the line of faith, but the local church, they're not engaged. They're not serving. They're not using those gifts that we're, we're, we're required to where God demands us to God, you know, calls us to whatever word you want to use. Those words are strong, but I think they're, they're meant to be a little bit. And then there are, there are people who are not a part of the church who are engaged with the church. Right. So there's a lot of people who come to our church, who serve, who give, they're engaged. They're, they're, they're doing things, but they haven't crossed that line of faith because it's a process of God drawing them to himself. And so it doesn't happen. And for some people it happens like that. Like, it's just like, wow, that's amazing. But for some people they're, researching they're asking their questions they're overcoming their doubt and that's what we're here for right that's we want people like that we love having people like that because we can go on that journey with them and our desire is not to say "Mm, you're not part of the church or you know our desire is to say wow hey how can we help you become part of this family
0: you know yeah and and the I love the distinction between engagement and part of, I think that that puts words to it. And I remember Mark Driscoll's book, which Mark Driscoll, you know, has become controversial over the years. He was always probably a little bit controversial, but um, he wrote a book called reformation uh, or something like that, like a hundred million years ago. And one of the things that he talked about was the, paradigm of believe behave and belong in what order do we expect people mm-hmm. to believe behave and belong and like kind of in the traditional model of churches where you you know associate them with being judgmental etc is that like you need to behave and then you need to believe and then you can belong with us like the first thing we're looking for is for you to act right And then we'll like figure out whether or not you believe the right things. And then once we know that those things are in place, then you can belong, then you can be part of the family. And we've talked about like, man, we really, we really want to inverse that. Like, we want you to belong here way before you believe anything. Like the first thing we, we want you to belong the moment you hit the parking lot or the moment you click on that link, you know, you feel safe and accepted and loved, not because we agree with every decision you're making, but because you're a human made in God's image. So we want you to belong. And then our next step is not for you to behave. (laughs) We don't even expect or want you to behave until you believe because behavior is always the result of faith. And so if we think that people are going to behave before they believe, we've got it wrong. And if we think that they're going to belong without us accepting them, we we have to lead with belonging and then pray for belief so that someday they will behave. That's why the church should be the most accepting place. And I know everybody
1: gets hung up on like, Oh, we're accepting. That doesn't mean we're approving. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's like clarity. The church door should be open to anyone and everyone. It should be a place where you can belong, come as you are, because it's the actual place that people will find the change that they need because change comes through Christ. Yeah. We can change in areas of our life without Christ. We all know that, but like true, real gospel change comes from, Wow, finding a place where I belong as I am, a, a place that is patient with me as I learn to believe, as I understand theology and who God is. You know, I, I do this all the time. I grew up in church. And so I just assume everybody knows what, what I know, right? Like, even when I preach, I'm like, I, sure. it's so hard because my mind already just has all these assumptions. And a lot of people don't know that. And we got to give them a place to belong, feel comfortable But also challenge, teach, train, give them good theology. And that is the very thing, if they choose to believe in it, will change their behavior. Absolutely. Over the course of time, right? Like you see many people come and they hear, you know, like, oh, I'm I'm not supposed to drink or I'm not supposed to get drunk. And that behavior might change. But true, I believe this true, like long lasting change comes from a belief. You know, random change can happen through like an experience or, or a simple truth, but true theology
0: and belief la- leads to lasting change. So, mm-hmm. yeah, totally agree with all that. I think those are great tensions and no church, including our own, manages these well. I mean, oh, uh, yeah. Sure, I should say not perfectly. <laughs> I, I hope we manage them well, but no, nobody does it perfectly. And I'm sure that there are people who would say Northridge Church um, they could cite really good specific examples where we were too um, gr- too gracious. I know that sounds weird, but like we, we gave someone too much leash. But yeah. then I'm sure that there's also examples that somebody could multiply where we didn't give nearly enough leash. And like if someone had just and they eventually did come to faith and like it wasn't through Northridge or whatever, like I, I'm sure we've been on the wrong side of this before. But if you have the paradigm in place that we're going to the first step is belonging. Uh, hopefully by God's grace and through his Holy Spirit's power leading to belief, then you're in the right paradigm. If you're just, if the first thing you're looking for is behavior, it's just, we're already off in the wrong direction because um, most of us, including some of the people who work at our church would probably not be, uh, would not have been, given the, the time of day, if we were just looking at behavior initially. <laughs> so that's, and I just don't think that's how Jesus operated. So good. I think that's a good conversation. I just, I, I liked how you nuanced it on Sunday, but figured there was more we could dive into. Um, okay. Uh, now I wanted to talk about uh, persecution. You, you brought up, you know, the, the idea of like how the church grows best many times when it's under pressure. And um, it's like, wow. Okay. So what, you talked about how you pray for your kids to be safe and that's good. But also maybe we should pray for them to be a little uncomfortable sometimes. So talk to me about that. Should I start praying for persecution, you know, like loss of freedom of religion? What do I need to be doing here?
1: (laughs) Well, let me preface this. Be careful what you pray for. Okay. Hmm. Because don't be mad at me when you pray for persecution and you start getting persecuted and come on let's let's define persecution you know let, i'll go on a little bit of a tangent man the church is like oh today in 2020 we're being persecuted come on go talk to someone who's actually been persecuted for their faith like get oh, outside God. your american box and go talk to christians who are actually being slaughtered for actually believing in jesus right mm. whose families are being killed so like come on let's get a little perspective about mm. persecution there's my soapbox it's gone um
0: <laughs> You're anyway, allowed to have that one. That was a good one.
1: <laughs> but like, I, I, I mean, pr- I just, maybe not pray for persecution, but pray for a little bit of uncomfort. We just want comfort so bad. I'm so guilty mm. of this. Like, I want my life to be comfortable. I want it to be easy. We're all, that's that's natural. That's That's our, you know, our flesh <laughs> desires that. And I don't think it's bad to pray for safety. Pray for, like, I actually, like, I, I do. You know, I don't think we should pray for safety. Right? Like, in the sense of like, God, keep me safe and comfortable. No, 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 no. I think what we should pray against is God. I've changed this in my prayer life with my kids. The big prayer I pray now is God, keep them from evil. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, like, not keep them from danger. Like, do I want them safe? Yes. But I want God's will more than I want their safety. If God's will for them is a little bit of danger, I'm okay with that. I am. Like I'll suffer through it. I don't want that, uh, you know, as a dad, no, I don't. But if it's going to make their faith come alive and it's going to stretch them and I'm I'm uh, yes, God. As hard as it's going to be, that's what I want. But what I want I what I want them to be safe from is evil. I don't want the devil to have a foothold in their life when it comes to the way they think, the way they, you know, like I don't want demons or the devil to come after them. I want the Lord to punch the devil out of their life. Like that's my prayer is like that's the very thing. That's the danger I don't want to come into their life. A car accident, you know, we pray for safety when we drive, those are good things. Again, don't feel bad for praying for those things. But if that's all, if that's all I'm praying for, I feel like I miss out on a lot of God's blessings. And, and teachings that come through uncomfortable things. And so I've just changed my prayer life a little bit to be like, God, I want your will. And if your will hurts, it's okay. Um, If it doesn't, I like it a little bit better, just being honest. (laughs) But the thing I don't want in my kid's life, the danger that I'm praying against is evil. I don't want my kids have, I don't want the enemy to have a place in my kid's life. So protect them from his lies, protect the, protect it. Like we pray more for protection from normal life things like driving in a car, like going to school. I want God to not waste his time with that stuff. I want him to protect my kids from the evil, the lies of the enemy.
0: Like, cause if they're protected from those things, I, they'll be good. Yeah. Those are so much of that is big faith. Like everything you just described are things that like to say that and mean that is a, it's a dangerous calling on our lives to want godliness more than we want safety. You know, those are, those are hard truths to think about in particular with some, with a re- relationship like kids, right? Where it is a part of our God given responsibility to be protectors. Um, but The question is, as you're saying, protectors from what? You know, like, of course, nobody is saying here, like, put them in harm's way intentionally, uh, you know, and all this kind of stuff. But at the same time, recognizing that, like, the worst thing that could happen to a person is not even death. You know, the worst thing that could happen to someone is the second death. (laughs) So, like, we, we want something more for our families, for those that we love, than just merely their physical safety. That's, again, of course, not to say that we are... Not nothing else matters, but I think those are good things. And when it comes to church, though, like that maybe that's that's like that micro relationship with um kids. i I almost feel a little bit more comfortable talking about praying that God would bring hardship on the church than I do about praying for hardship on my kids. Like big picture, I think like the church in America, I think could use, perhaps, some pressure you know applied and it's getting it and i suspect we'll continue to get more of it you know and i don't mind that's almost like a god at the macro level i've seen your i've seen you work in generations or in history books or whatever to know that that's how you that that your church often flourishes so i don't mind the idea of praying for that it's just a lot more personal when i think about like yeah but does it have to come on like my kids (laughs) like can it be somebody else you know um you know i don't know those are just those are just tough things
1: I think what persecution does for the, like the the church as a whole is it rallies it, right? Mm -hmm. It it focuses us back. It's, you know, when we are comfortable, like our minds are not sharp, I believe. We're, We're just kind of like loose and persecution, like just draws us back into like what's important and like, what is life really about? And I think that's even 2020 has kind of done that a little bit for the church of like, hey, Is gathering important? Like we've had to ask that question. We had to, we've had to get focused about it because at some level it has been taken away from us. And so like, it's, it's given us a laser focus to dive into God's word and like, what's important to God, what, what should be important to us. And we've rallied around like, Hey, there's a lot of people out there who are dying we don't want them to die, and we want them, if they do die, to know the hope of Jesus. And it, it rallies us to be motivated, to go after, to think eternal instead of, like, right now in front of me.
0: Mm-hmm. And the, I am even thinking more about, like, why, why do I not want my kids to experience suffering versus the church? I, it certainly does rally the church, but I also have a belief. I'm recognizing that the people that I want to, including myself, I would believe in God's ability to use hardship in their life is people who can't, who have the ability to look at hardship through the lens of what it can produce. When you think about like kids or even like maybe like older folks or people who are in like a situation where like, they're vulnerable. I'm thinking like, no, no, preserve them from difficulties. I'm talking about like the resilient whole, if we're thinking about like the church as a whole, like those are the people I'm saying, like, let's apply, let's apply the amount of pressure necessary to produce the kind of growth, but you know, whatever, I've been spending my time in first Peter. So everything in the entire, everything in my life right now connects back to first Peter somehow. Um, But like, there's just so much about uh, in chapter one, um, verse five, or verse six, in all of this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief of all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, may result in praise, honor, and glory when Jesus Christ is revealed. So, pressure is all about refining it's all about refining so i think our church as a whole could use more of it um and you know what if i have to if i have to admit it my kids probably could too which some of that refining ought to come through my own discipline but it's just harder to think sure. about <laughs> well you know everything comes back to football on this podcast right
1: think about the bills right they are suffering right now the team i'm talking about forget the fans for a second they're all suffering but the team didn't go where they wanted to go that produces a level of suffering they had to you know, admit defeat. They were better than us. And that suffering will do one of two things. It will motivate some people on the team like, nope, next year is going to be different. And I'm going to work that much harder. I'm going to grind a little bit harder to produce what I need to get to where I want to go. And I think the same thing is true in us as we suffer. We usually make one of two choices. We complain and moan and blame God and alienate ourselves or doubt him. Or we press in and say, God, Make this make me better because of this. Let 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 that pressure that you put on me refine me and make me beautiful like that diamond. uh, You know when you pressurize it, and so Mm
0: -hmm.
1: yeah, it's not fun, and no one wants it. And I'm not Mm -hmm. saying we should, you know, even desire it. That like I'm I'm just trying to say like we can't try to avoid that because even as much as we pray for safety, guess what happens? A lot of times. We're not safe. You know what right, I mean. Right, like we're in right, yeah. danger. Viruses come. Pain comes. My dad. You know all these things yeah. happen in life, and so
0: yeah, maybe won't it, be recognizing not. that recognizing that pain at some level is inevitable. So rather than constantly spending all of our prayer energy desiring nothing more than protection from the next pain. Instead, if we spent that prayer energy and recognizing that in this life, pain has a degree of inevitability and we're not asking for an excessive amount of it for no reason, but we can be praying that whenever it comes, that whether it's our kids or the church, that we would be ready and prepared to meet that pain with the kind of response that would produce godliness um, and that would refine us rather than destroy us. So,
1: right. And What if we, listen, just one more thought. What if we got to heaven And God was like, yo, you prayed so much against things that I wanted to do in you. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I don't want to get to heaven, but like, I could, I could have been that much more influential, but I spent so much time praying against the things God wanted to do in my life. Not that we control God. I'm not saying that. I want to pray for the things of God. And so at some level that, that means at some point in my life, I have to desire a little bit of pain or hard circumstances so
0: God can refine me absolutely those are great thoughts we we certainly want to prayers about aligning our hearts with God's and he wants our godliness more than he wants our comfort so the more that we pray toward our godliness, which sometimes will involve comfort and self-care and other times it's going to involve, a whole bunch of none of that. <laughs> and it's going to produce godliness. So, uh we just want to align our hearts with his and you know, we're praying toward that end that even at Northridge as we experience both at an individual and at a corporate level pressure and perhaps ongoing or increased pressure over time that it would be said of us that we were refined as gold instead of instead of crushed. So, hey, everyone, thanks for listening, thanks for watching. Appreciate your time. Um and if you're on a very long a road trip like liam uh go to the next episode and hopefully there's something in there worth listening to we appreciate you guys listening checking it out and we will see you uh coming up this weekend we're finishing off silver lining so drew's going to give us another another lesson from 2020 looking forward to that and then a new series the following week uh always something coming so thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time